Hello and welcome to Sarah Explains It All. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have Monica Cox with me today and I'm going to hand over the reins and let her introduce herself for a change. So Monica, why don't you take it away? Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me on. Like you said, I'm Monica Cox. I am the founder of Finding Fertility. I'm a functional fertility health coach, which means I get down to the root cause of fertility issues and um, really help you explore natural and holistic remedies to reverse even pretty serious fertility issues, especially unexplained and autoimmune issues. So I'm really excited to be here with you today. Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me. And I think, you know, obviously we we've chatted before and and being um, a woman, fertility issues aren't something you ever think is going to be your journey or your story. You think it's because we spend so much of our time saying don't have sex, use a condom, get on birth control. You could get pregnant really easily. And then when it comes down to it, how I mean, what are the statistics? How many women do suffer with us a form of fertility trouble challenges is it quite high I I imagine but yeah they're saying one in eight right now I think it's one in six in Canada um but those are statistics for people actually speaking and reaching out um I think a lot of people suffer in silence so and it's a growing unfortunately it's a growing community um I think, you know, I'm in my 40s. I think my generation, kind of the older millennials, younger Gen Xers, um, are kind of like the forefront of a really big fertility issue. Um, When I was dealing with it, you know, there was very, very little information out there on a holistic side or talking about, you know, like various ways to improve it other than standing on your head and eating a lot of salmon right? or like taking a bunch of supplements. So it's a growing community, unfortunately. And I think it's really frustrating because it needs to start when we're young women and obviously talking about our menstrual cycle and the importance of having a healthy flow and how to maintain a healthy flow. Because a lot of us, this wasn't my issue, but I know there's a large majority of people who just got put on birth control to help their flow. And so that's basically just masking is like a band-aid. It's like, okay, you know, we'll just get rid of it this way. But the unfortunate thing is whatever has been contributing to those issues is just going to continue to build and build and build. You get off the pill and all of a sudden you're like full-blown PCOS. You have endometriosis. You're, you know, you're not ovulating correctly. You don't have a period for months and months and years. And they're like, well, that's just one of those things. And it's not the pill's fault per se. It was just like one of the factors. Um, but then it's like, the doctors don't really have a route right now to re reverse, right? Like, okay, let's go back. Like what, from the very beginning, when you were a kid, let's talk about all those issues that were piling up and that we just kind of put a blanket over. Um, so unfortunately it's a, it's a big deal. And um, not only for women who um, can't get and stay pregnant, but for women who 
get pregnant and don't realize that their health is below average because pregnancy isn't a sign of health. You know, like the crackhead on the side of the street has proven to us that you don't need to be healthy. And we're seeing a lot more uh, pregnancy complications, a lot more birth issues, a lot of postnatal depression, a lot of babies having normal health issues now, or some having really big issues. Um, so our health, our underlying health is like the big thing. And if we get taught about our cycle and what a healthy flow actually is and not grandma telling us, ah, oh, suck it up. I had cramps too. You know, it's like, no cramping isn't really supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, but we are taught that it's our lot to bear and we have to go through the pain and it's just one week out of the month and don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And it really isn't. And because we, as menstruators are never actually taught what our men- like what our cycle is you just have to look back 20 30, well not 20 more like 50 60 yeah. 70 years <laughs> to like realize that cramping wasn't that normal and yeah. PCOS and endometriosis like like asthma and peanut allergy you know mm-hmm. they just weren't as common if common at if even yeah. at all there so you know it really frustrates me and I I didn't even struggle with fertility I was you know like we tried and we immediately got pregnant and it was quite quick and it was like oh my gosh I'm actually pregnant now this is crazy um but it frustrates me because there we have many friends or I have many friends who have struggled in silence you know mm-hmm. and they've never talked about it and I mean, gosh, I talk about menstrual cycles all the time, but we are never (laughs) taught in that community that it is okay to talk about our struggles. Um, And that is why I'm so excited to have you on because it's your journey that I really want to talk about and how you went from having fertility challenges um, or infertility rather to having two beautiful children. So could you walk us through that a bit? And and I know we had said, you know, it's no your journey might not be someone else's, but it's it's the light at the end of the tunnel that I love, that being able to share your story is giving hope to other people. So please let us know, share your story on how you yeah. had your two beautiful boys. Well, I think um, you have to have expanders out there, right? You have to have people that have been through something similar to you and have conquered it for you to even believe it's possible. So I had no one out there when I was going through this journey. So I'm more than happy to share my story in a very honest way. Um, The only thing going for me during my fertility journey was I was regular. I had a regular cycle um, bang on, you know, my time frame. Um, But in saying that, with the knowledge I have now, it wasn't always healthy, especially with like the PMS, like the, the breast tenderness, the cramping, the moodiness, um, you know, like sometimes really loose stools around that time. It wasn't a healthy flow. And I never knew what a healthy flow was, right? Like I saw more dicks as a kid than I saw vaginas. I knew more about the male anatomy than I knew about my own anatomy. And that was the way society was and maybe still is to this day. Um, So there was no like references. And 
I kind of always had in the back of my head, I was going to struggle because my mom actually had a hysterectomy at 32 and she always dealt with um, really severe woman issues. And she was very lucky to have her kids really young. She got knocked up twice (laughs) by the same guy, but still, nonetheless, we were not planned. Um, And I'm pretty sure she suffered with um, endometriosis and PCOS. And it was just never, ever, they didn't know back then. There was no diagnosis, right? Um, And so, yeah, she had a hysterectomy really young. And so I kind of just thought, well, maybe that's my fate too. I don't, I didn't have like symptoms like her, but that was just like, you always just look at your mom. Right. But anyway, so I went in thinking like, okay, well, everything's normal. Everything's fine. And three years of trying it, they're like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with you. You should just try IVF. And so we did IVF and we actually were living in the United Kingdom at the time. I am American, but I, uh, lived in the UK for 14 years. And so uh, we unfortunately were part of the postcode lottery and we were living in Yorkshire at the time and literally a 30 minute drive to Leeds would have saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, But we did around within the NHS, even though we paid for it, we just kind of followed the NHS and it was horrendous. It was like one of the worst experiences of my life. You were literally treated like a cow. (laughs) Like there was no, you never saw the same doctor. No one really knew who you were. And um, it just exposed that we were making really bad embryos. And because my husband's sperm was fine, they basically said, you have poor egg quality at 30 years old and there's nothing you can do about it. And we were sat in the appointment and we're, I don't know what made us think this, but we're like, well, um, they're like, we'll just try another round of IVF. And we're like, well, are you going to change your drug like regime? And they're like, no, we'll just do the same thing. And we're just like, why would we do the same thing? <laughs> like it didn't work. So and I don't understand. So we left and we knew we weren't going to continue on with them. And we were sat in Hyde Park and a friend who was going on his own health journey was like, you need to change your diet. And I like me and my husband are really fit. Like, you know, we're not overweight. We didn't smoke. Okay. We drank a little bit too much, but who doesn't? Um, And we had a normal diet. We weren't chugging down Cokes or sodas or McDonald's or takeaways like every single night. And uh, he's like, no, you need to change. And so he's like, I'll pay for you to go see like a functional medicine practitioner. And we're like, that's a really kind, we're not gonna take your money, but we will take your advice. So we started, I started working with a functional medicine practitioner and um, went paleo basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, things started radically changing. Um, And I was getting a lot healthier. I didn't realize that the Tesco's (laughs) um, garlic bread was bad for me, (laughs) you know, like, um, and you just started like realizing things. And we started, I started working on my mental health and my mindset and things got better, but I still wasn't getting pregnant. So I started doing some research and there was one book out at the time talking about autoimmune issues and how these could affect fertility. And I was like, I feel like that's my story. Um, So we found a clinic in Sheffield that did autoimmune testing and it's called the Chicago test over there because they send your blood work over to Chicago. 
And this is where this doctor was from. And um, yeah, um, we, so we went to that clinic and we sat in the consultation and the guy talked us out of the, the testing. He said, that's only for people having reoccurring miscarriages. That's not your story. So we listened and um, we did a round of IVF and we got, um, it was much more successful. We got five embryos, really healthy embryos, but I still didn't make it to day 28 of, of that cycle, even with all the medication. And, um, you know, kind of left devastated, you know, filled out a surrogacy form. And it was just like, what else do I have to do? I mean, I radically changed my life over that year. And um, so I picked myself up and I was like, I want the testing. So I demanded the autoimmune testing and it came back and I had high natural killer cells. And what that means is um, everyone has them. Everyone has natural killer cells. They help you fight viruses. They help you fight colds. We all need a certain amount of levels. They get activated when something happens and will help attack that thing, right? When you have an autoimmune issue, your natural killer cells are so elevated that they're now attacking your own body. So that's where thyroid disease comes from. That's where a lot of autoimmune issues come from. For me, it was very silent. I didn't have thyroid issues. I didn't have skin issues. Um, yes, I had uh, like stomach issues, but that was like more related to like the doctors thought it was like IBS and like things like that. But what it was happening to me was my body was attacking the embryos. And so an embryo is in a foreign agent until the placenta takes over. So that's why the risk of miscarriage is so high up till 12 weeks is because your body is actually in charge of that. And so if your body's off balance in certain ways, the baby can't thrive and survive. So, um, and it was twofold. So when I, when you have high natural killer cells, you actually have a high level of a lot of inflammation going on, usually stem from a leaky gut. And so in conjunction with my body attacking the embryos, my egg quality was really low as well. And there's this really shitty myth out there that egg quality is only related to your age, which is absolutely false. Uh, your eggs are cells and your cells, um, inside your cells, you have, you know, your DNA and your proteins and a bunch of other things. And it's now proven in science that your cells dictate what happens to your DNA and your genetics and stuff. So my, my hypothesis is how can the rest of your body regenerate? You get a sunburn, your skin regenerates, your liver can regenerate, your stomach sheds its lining like every eight days, your hair grows back, your nails grow back, right? All these things can regenerate, but yet your eggs can't, like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So, um, we got the testing. It was positive. We used immune suppressing drugs at that time because I still I wasn't completely up to my knowledge on all the functional medicine stuff. And long story short, uh, I had two miscarriages and an IVF baby through those three um, processes. And in the meantime, I found out that I was highly intolerant to tomatoes and paprika and uh, cut those out of my diet. And after the second miscarriage was our last like medical treatment that was done. It was eight years. <laughs> it was like, it was a long journey. Um, 
I was very grateful to have my, you know, I had a little boy at the time and um, I was just ready to continue life. And I knew, I knew how to be healthy now. I had the most amazing periods. They just would show up and I'd be like, oh, I guess it's that time in the month. Brilliant. You know, it wasn't this like a week of like hell before it showed up or, um, so yeah, things just really dramatically changed for me. And I think, or no, I know the two years that I took to be very committed to living a certain lifestyle that was right for my body, my body healed and I was able to get pregnant naturally. And so that's our second son. Um, and after I got pregnant naturally, um, I have to admit that I was pretty pissed off. I was mad that this knowledge wasn't out there for women and that I had to, I know why I had to go through everything I went through. I tell, it's obviously a very good story, (laughs) but um, if I can save other women for, through going through it, um, that's like the whole purpose now. And then the flip side of it too, is our children the epigenetics there's a you know a growing study of epigenetics and how we literally pass down dirty genes so our health actually our health before and during and even after pregnancy dictates um, our health of our children and so you might get a baby and it seems perfectly healthy and normal but there if you're not taking care of their genes consistently just like this was my case right like my mom thought she had a beautiful healthy little girl and i'm pretty sure i was infertile at like 17 like i had all the signs and issues of an autoimmune disease if you were if you had the knowledge of it mm-hmm. um and it was just you know a combination of just wrecking my system with the wrong things. We live in a very, you know, grown, grown up in the eighties in America with pop tarts and <laughs> white sugar and white bread and drink that milk, right? Like you gotta Ugh. have that milk. And, um, and then obviously getting into young adulthood with alcohol, it was just, you know, yeah. I mean, so that's my I, story. I mean, <laughs> and it is such a what's the word I'm looking for I mean it it's a journey like it is a journey I don't think I would have been strong enough to go on for eight years you know and you were so dedicated and you persevered and I don't think I don't think those are qualities that we have a lot anymore I mean I work with primary school children and trying to teach them perseverance and dedication and resilience it's an ongoing daily struggle, you know, and, and it's so enlightening to hear your story because your story, I mean, the whole issue with the autoimmune stuff, like listening to you, I'm like, oh gosh, maybe like, maybe I actually have, (laughs) and we don't think about it. We never connect the dots A because we don't know enough and B we just think it's normal. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's totally normal that I have, um, IBS or it's totally normal at 16 that I have really bad back pain no it's not you have flat feet and you really need to go to a chiropractor like yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I just wish and I apologize from the bottom of my heart the NHS is amazing for some things but for a lot of things it really isn't and it, it they have no bedside manner 
in the NHS, or at least a lot of the people I've come across. Um, But this information, like you said, needs to be out there. So thank you so much for your journey um, or for your work that you do. So how did you find once you found out you're autoimmune and you needed to cut out tomatoes and paprika and things like that how did you find that change because I think a lot of people will really struggle to overhaul their their the way that they eat and their lifestyle um not easy luckily it was in stages and that's what I always um advise people to do even if you know you have an and uh, like you're diagnosed with an autoimmune issue or you're dealing with unexplained infertility or you've tried you know like and you've never tried diet changes it's like let's just cut a few things out at a time <sighs> going paleo was hard enough because you literally you get rid of like 80 percent of the grocery store right Going autoimmune paleo, you're down to 90% of the grocery store. You, I could literally walk down two aisles in the grocery store and pick up everything I, I can technically eat. Because when you're um, eating cleanly as well, and at the time, but even now, like you stay away from all the box foods. You know, like uh, there was no pastas anymore. There was no canned sauces there, you know. So you are literally going down the meat aisle and the fresh fruit aisle. Now, especially in America, there's a lot of like gimmicky food. Some is good. Some is bad. You still have to like watch out for them. But um, especially, I, I don't know. I found it easy in the UK because the UK food is kind of bland. <laughs> they don't have good Mexican. We found the Indian foods. We, we had to stop eating Indian takeaways because the oils were so heavy And so when you start switching your diet and you start um, eliminating that inflammation, you actually pick up more, you're more aware of how shitty your body feels after a certain meal. So Indians were out for us. Um, So it was easy, but when I went out to restaurants, it was really frustrating because potato and tomato are on every fucking plate, right? Like every meal in the UK. (laughs) like french fries or um so yeah i would literally find myself paying 12 pounds for a piece of hamburger beef with some lettuce right and that's all i could eat that day and that was it and so um i want to say that my drive to become a mother was what pushed me but if i'm really honest it was literally people telling me that i couldn't there's nothing you can do you can't do that. Um, and so that was kind of my, like, I don't know, I guess I, ha- I just have this personality of kind of a few, like, mm-hmm. don't tell me I can't do that. I'll, I'll prove to you that I can. Um, I'm not going to say it was like easy the whole time, but um, every step I took, I was, people could see that I was failing but in my mind, I was succeeding. Like, so the first IVF was a shambles. The second IVF, I got embryos. The, like the fur, the first frozen embryo transfer, I got pregnant for the first time, even though I had a miscarriage. The second time I had a baby, the third time was like, yeah, like it all failed. That one just failed. (laughs) But after that, I got pregnant naturally. And 
especially with fertility, but I think everyone could relate to this. You want the things you want yesterday. And until you're able to actually just like take a really big deep breath and go, okay, this is not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to get pregnant tomorrow. I'm my health issues are not going to go away by just doing one month of paleo or one month of this. And you will consistently have stumbles and that's okay because you're human. It's not about perfection. It's about consistency. And then if you surround yourself with the knowledge. So at the time I was super lucky that there was some really good functional medicine podcasts out there. So underground wellness, which I still think you can listen to. He doesn't do it anymore. You have the Dave Asbury bulletproof one. I mean, there's tons out there now. But for me, and at the time, Sarah, uh, I think her last name is Valentine. She is a scientist and she's kind of the one, she just started a blog from her own autoimmune journey. And I mean, now she has this, she's like kind of the forefront of autoimmune. So it was like surrounding myself with this knowledge and just taking it in every day. And it was just like these little clues, like, that kept me going. And then I got into the mindset stuff and now like more subconscious mindset stuff. And, um, you just kind of go down that rabbit hole. And when you feel success, like I always tell my clients, it's about getting small goals, right? So we don't use pregnancy as a measure of like success list out your normal health health issues that have nothing to do with infertility. When you start seeing those go away, because those are the first things that are going to improve, your, your period's going to improve, your PMS, uh, PMS symptoms are going to decrease. Once you find out your inflammatory foods, your, your, if you have a weight issue, you're going to drop 15 pounds without even trying. Your gut health and the way your gut feels is going to improve. Um, your skin, your hair, your sleep. You see all these things that you didn't even know were issues, your anxiety. I just had a client the other day tell me her ADHD symptoms have like happened. She's like, I didn't even expect that. I was like, yep, gut brain barrier. It's all connected. So um, when you see these little wins, um, that's what keeps you going. That's it's what keeps the small your fire going. things, yeah. right? Like you can't take, and you know, we always say, or in my coaching, um, certification course they always say small hinges swing big mm-hmm. doors and it's yeah. it's the tiny habit so it's they're putting I'm gonna drink 64 ounces of water today bang I've done it you feel good about yourself I'm gonna walk 10,000 steps today bang you did it you feel good about yourself and you're mm-hmm. right it's the little things and and I think anyone who's been on any kind of journey whether it's healing a gut issue or healing a fertility journey or a weight loss journey, any mm-hmm. journey you've been on, we want it done like yesterday, as you said, and it will, nothing is ever a quick fix. And if it is a quick fix, it most likely isn't going to last because it yeah. took you how many years to get here, right? We exactly. don't, you know, some of us might start off as babies and not be very healthy, but realistically, we try to be as babies. We are born as healthy as we can be, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and we don't start off having back problems, most of us, or, you know, stomach issues, most of us, or fertility issues as a baby, most of us. But 
as we start, especially in an American diet and, and now even more in the UK, as we start on our journey of growth, the convenience foods come in, the antibiotics come in, the Coca-Cola's come in, you know, all of yeah. it's coming in. And um, it's taken many years to get to where we are when we realize we have these challenges. So it will take a few years to rectify them or to heal ourselves. Yeah, it just takes time. And um, I always say to people, time is actually on your side. And if you really commit to doing the right steps, so that's the first thing, find what's right with you. Don't listen to gurus, you know, don't try the crazy fad, like you really need to dial in, just find your inflammatory foods. Like it's not simple, but that's the best diet for you, right? Like you can eat everything else, just find those inflammatory foods. And I'm sorry for most of us, inflammatory foods include Coke and all the candies and even the health foods, like bars that you can get are full of E numbers and rancid oils and stuff. So there is a large majority, but it is getting down. Like some people can eat gluten, you know, if it's the slow fermented glutens, like some people are fine on them. Some people can eat nice organic cheeses. You know, you got to find what's right for you. Um, and just give your body time to readjust, reconnect and heal, you'll actually save yourself a lot of time and money, especially in a fertility journey. If you're just always jumping to IUIs and IVFs, that whole process is so hard on your body, especially if, you know, if you're not doing a light IUI, but the medications and stuff. And these women that I see that come to me and are doing like four IVFs a year or more, I'm like, dude, you need a detox. <laughs> like yeah. That's the first thing you need to just support your body to get rid of all that medication that, and yeah, it's just crazy. But, um, I think it's for anyone and any women dealing with, um, you know, severe, not severe, but obvious PMS problems, or, you know, that is your body is telling you I'm not happy. Yeah. Your, your, the infertility is telling you, I can't carry a baby. Please don't push this on me because I feel like I can confidently, you know, confidently say this I've used IVF and I know it's not a quick fix. And most women that I see that use IVF and have severe thyroid problems are almost a hundred percent likely to have complications in their pregnancy a really hard delivery and not a very happy postpartum because their body is maxed out. Um, that pregnancy puts such a stress on your body. Um, and if your body wasn't able to really function without that medication before, like it's not going to be able to do the things you want it to like produce breast milk. It's not a given. And when people find it hard to not all women, but when people find it like when they're stressed or they're having a thyroid issue, or they had a, like a crazy delivery, your body is just like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I got to keep you alive before I can make anything else for anyone. And so Mm -hmm. that's why people struggle to produce breast milk these days. And they just don't see it. They're just like, oh, it's just one of those things. And I'm, I don't, it's not about shaming people who don't breastfeed. That's not the point. Like that's Mm -hmm. a choice. You make a choice, but if you want to breastfeed and you're struggling your milk production or any of that, it's a clear sign that your body is is just maxed out 
Yeah. And I was, I was like that. Audrey had um, double tongue tie as well, which definitely didn't help. Um, But I was determined. My husband may say bullheaded. Um, And, but, but I knew that she was going to be my only child. I was not breastfed as a baby. I wanted to do that. And I am with La Leche uh, League or Leche League. I was six, I was able to successfully breastfeed her for 18 months, you know, and, but, there was I had a really bad postpartum and I didn't have the best delivery and you know I yes I didn't struggle to get pregnant but my body was maxed like yeah for years maxed mm-hmm. out and I never really put two and two together I was just like oh well it's because she had double tongue tie but actually it's probably because I was postpartum I had depression and I was just barely hanging on and I certainly wasn't eating that well and Mm -hmm. you know it all does become it comes full circle but again because we've not had stories like yours to hear to listen to understand we just don't know because we never put two and two together now I wanted to ask you really quickly to find out what it are the inflammatory foods how would you suggest people go about doing that? Um, so you can just do a simple elimination diet. It is um, a little bit long. <laughs> so what you, what you, it depends on how much you want to eliminate. But if you kind of, you kind of know, right? Like your body's already telling you things. So what you want to do is eliminate them for at least 10 days. I put people on a 30 day challenge because this really gives your body enough time to really detox those foods, but minimum 10 days. And then what you want to do is reintroduce one food at a time and give yourself um, anywhere from like four to 10 days, because sometimes reactions can come on a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And you just have to be super honest with yourself. Like don't BS yourself. Like if something is different, if your moods get wonky, if your skin, if your gut, if you, your bowel movements, it could be anything. It could be tingles in the throat. Um, so you just want to watch out for signs and symptoms. Um, there is testing, but the testing, the over-the-counter testing that you can get is an IgG prick. And that only measures if you have it in your system. So you and I don't think to, we have that in the UK, to be you fair. Don't have, you don't have anything over the counter yet in the UK? I don't, no, probably no. not. If you I go you to can, the, go like if you go to the GP and say, I've got really bad stomach troubles. Can I do like an elimination diet? Or I did when I first moved here 13 years ago. And they're like, no, you can do it on your own though. Yeah. Keep a diary. <laughs> yeah. So it's the same in the U S and yeah, in the UK, like you, if you went to a doctor, like a normal traditional doctor, they, they wouldn't run a food sensitivity test for you. You would have to have like a severe allergy for them to do the like, um, skin pricks and things like that. But I'm pretty sure that there's tests in the UK. I've seen them online where if you, you know, like Google food sensitivity test, um, there'll be, uh, like coaches like me and other people, um, companies that you can order, like, they're like probably like 200 pounds and you get them, but most of them are these IgG tests and you have to be eating the food. And it's not a very good representation of if you're really, um, have an intolerance to it. They can miss things if you're not eating, th- like you didn't eat that. Um, so 
I run the MRT test. You can actually get it in the UK through like a Polish company. I've had a client do it over there. I can send you like the links. I am, um, but yeah, you can do testing. You just got to make sure it, it's covering um, different modalities of how intolerances come into play. But the best form really is um, your body and your body will tell you. I mean, it can come up that you're not, in, you're not intolerant to gluten, but if you eat kind of like, I like to call them the dirty glutens, you know, the bread that can now sit on a shelf for like four months, like that's dirty. <laughs> like, and it's probably not the gluten, it's the other shit that's in it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I found, I never did a test. I just did the elimination and it was pretty obvious um, within. So being paleo for a year and then going on to an autoimmune paleo within three weeks, because I had already done, done so much healing, my last symptom was gone. Wow, it was that dramatic. That's, that's, yeah. impre- that's so impressive. And, so, you know, inspiring as well, because it does show that we can heal our bodies. Yeah. We just have to find what works for us. And I do think that you know, again, it is so inspirational to hear your story because it's like, oh, I'm good. I'm now going to go find this MRT test and I'm going to take it because (laughs) I know that I can't handle loads of processed sugar, but other things I'm kind of, yes, I'm okay with and too much. I'm not okay with. And, you know, and so I'd really quite like to know just for my own knowledge. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Before I let you go, before I have you tell us where they can all find you, which will be in the show notes anyway, do you have a period positive or neutral story to share with us? Yeah, um, I just find periods now like the sign of life. Like when I have a good period, I'm like, my body is in harmony. When I start getting breast tenderness or I get a little bit cramped, like, you know, more severe cramping, I'm like, I, all right, I get it, body. You're not happy with me. (laughs) So I just find it as a very good tool because I think sometimes we can fool ourselves like I'm fine. I'm fine. But I think your period is like your best friend. Like she's honest with you, right? She's going to be like your life coach. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, and she will tell you when you've overdone it or pushed too much, she will let you know that she Mm -hmm. is not happy. Um, And I do love that. I love that connection that we can have with our bodies, because I do think that in itself is something that lots of women have, have forgotten and they need help remembering that we aren't supposed to be at war with our bodies. We are supposed to be in harmony and in balance and in connection. We should embody our body. Um, and not fight against it. So as I said, I will pop all of your social links on the show notes. How can people get in touch with you though, if they want to connect and they want to find out about your coaching packages? Um, So I'm at Finding Fertility Everything. So findingfertility.co is my website, Uh, Instagram and TikTok is where I hang out. I'm at Finding Fertility there. Um, Yeah, so come and connect and laugh your ass off at my silly antics (laughs) perfect I mean we all need a good bit of laughter therapy for sure thank you so much for joining me today this has been fantastic and thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey and your hope because it's definitely given me some after this conversation my pleasure thank you for having me thank you see you later 